0: Welcome in to a Thursday edition of the Bruce Hooley Show. Glad to have you along on 98.9 The Answer. We have a couple of major stories to talk about. Of course, the shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Victory Parade yesterday here locally. The jury restarted deliberations this morning in the murder trial of a former deputy and a U.S. Marshal Task Force Law Enforcement Officer Jason Mead. Uh, they had to restart deliberations because they dismissed a male juror yesterday uh, after the jury got the case in the afternoon. Uh, that's a little weird, but there are several things about this trial of Jason Mead that are uh, more than weird, including the fact that the prosecution was allowed to bring a Johnny-come-lately witness to the table who admitted that he's been following the trial on social media who admitted that he deleted his Facebook posts that were uh, critical of the defense case. So it gets weirder and weirder and weirder. And, of course, they are bracing downtown for protests, maybe riots, who knows. But there's a heavy law enforcement precedent uh, presence rather, around the courthouse where the case is being decided. And I'm just going to go out on a limb and guess that... Um, the riots will happen only if Jason Meade is acquitted. If Jason Meade is uh, found guilty, I'm going to guess the riot threat grows away. Why is that? Why is that? That the uh, right side of the aisle, the right-leaning side of the aisle, I don't mean the correct side because while I have my strong opinions about the joke that it is that Jason Meade is being charged in this case, Uh, I don't ultimately know what's right or wrong in this case. But it's interesting, isn't it, that the bracing for riots, whether it's in America's major cities or here with the Jason Mead trial, it's only if the outcome of an election goes one way or only if a verdict goes one way or is a riot a reasonable threat in the aftermath of that. But that side of the aisle would tell you that they're the ones who are defending democracy and who care about upholding the law and all that so evaluate that as you will the uh, shooting at the Super Bowl parade yesterday very tragic and uh, could have been worse Uh, at this point in time we have one deceased victim and she looks like um, a wonderful lady Uh, DJ in Kansas City did a lot of weddings had a show on um a radio station there, a beloved figure, a mom. Uh, She was killed by this shooter who had an AK-47, or an AR-15, rather. And eight of the victims had immediately life-threatening injuries transported to hospitals within 10 minutes. Seven had life-threatening injuries of another sort, so 15 with life-threatening injuries. Six had minor injuries. And you know what happens in the aftermath of a shooting like this, right? Um, until we know the politics of the shooter, uh, the immediate narrative is, well, the shooter used a gun, so if we just got rid of the guns, we'd get rid of all the violence in this country. Uh, it's a very, uh, shallow take on the issue, but it is often put out there by the left, and in the case of the left in this instance not just Vice President Kamala Harris from whom you'd expect some stupid takeaway like that, but from Rich Eisen of the NFL Network. Uh, Rich Eisen tweeted yesterday, nine children, nine children who went to a parade to celebrate their Super Bowl team, nine children are now being treated for gunshot wounds. When are we going to collectively realize there's a gun problem in our country and do something sensible for our kids. Um, well, in the inner cities of America, uh, most of the people who are committing mayhem are people who vote Democrat. That's just a fact. Like most of the of the inner most of the crime in the inner cities of America are taking place in areas where when the electoral map comes out in the aftermath of an election, those people, an overwhelming majority of them, somewhere 85% and above, have voted Democrat and continue to vote Democrat, including right here in our own city. Like we have an all-Democrat city council, we have a Democratic mayor, a Democratic law director, we got every single office occupied in the city by Democrats. So the city must vote Democrat. We've had astronomical murder rates in the city of Columbus, for years and years and years throughout the tenure of uh, America's murder mayor, Andrew Ginther. So if Rich Eisen wants to end and Democrats want to end violence in the inner cities, then maybe they ought to talk to their constituents about that. Uh, that might be you know, something they would like to try rather than just saying, take all the guns away. We need more after school programs. Well, I'm going to get to that later oh, on today. Okay. Alan Rogers nice. uh, sitting in today for Jeff on uh, in the producer's chair. Uh, the city of Columbus has come up with a program, of oh, course, uh, that's going to fix everything. And uh, guess who gets to pay for it? And of course, you know it costs more than a million dollars. But we'll have more on that as the show Sorry, progresses. I- I no, 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 no. That's <laughs> fine. No, no. I know it's not. That's not even under today and crazy, which we will do at 12:20, as we have done throughout the week.
1: And I think I have some music for you. Okay. Get it queued up for you. Wonderful.
0: Uh, We have no updates yet, no clarity on where the foster mom, Pammy May, 48 years old, is, nor the five-year-old boy, Darnell Taylor, who she apparently took with her to Cleveland yesterday morning, prompting the Amber Alert. Now, I say apparently took with her because, and I sure wish I didn't have to share these details with you, an affidavit filed with the Franklin County Municipal Court details the 911 call that precipitated the Amber Alert. Now, Pammy May and her husband were the foster parents of this young man, Darnell Taylor. So the way this all began... I don't, know if I, I don't know if I can assume that Pammy May's husband, that his last name is May. I'm going I'm to refer to him as the husband in this narrative. So the husband calls 911 because he is afraid for the safety of the little boy based upon something that the husband's wife, Pammy May, told him. And here's what the affidavit says. I'll just read it to you. The affidavit says the man told a 911 operator that his wife, Pammy May, said... She killed the child, telling the 911 operator that May said, that's the wife, May said the boy was no longer alive and had not been seen since Monday or Tuesday. And again, this call came in the wee hours of Wednesday morning, just after, like a couple hours after midnight. According to the court documents, according to this affidavit, the husband, upon hearing this, then got I assume he's in bed, I don't know, but I assume he's in bed. Searched the house for five-year-old Darnell Taylor before calling police, so before calling 911. And then he said, and this is chilling, while he was on the phone, Pammy May, the foster mom, tried to cover her husband's mouth saying she had a plan. So the husband stays on the phone with 911, she leaves the house, gets in the vehicle, and drives north on I-71 to Cleveland, where sometime around 6-ish a.m., about an hour after the Amber Alert was issued, police in Brooklyn, Ohio, which is around the Cleveland airport, found the vehicle at an apartment complex, but didn't find her, and they didn't find the boy. So they're still looking for him. They're still looking for her. She has been charged with first-degree felony kidnapping and third-degree felony endangerment of a child. So what no news report has made clear to me is if, if there's someone who had eyes on the child when she left and went to Cleveland, went toward Cleveland, like she's charged with kidnapping, and that may just be a thing where if a kid is unaccounted for, you can charge or her with kidnapping. But this affidavit says she told her husband the child was dead. And then she's charged with kidnapping. So to me, like to be charged with kidnapping, and I'm not an attorney, but I assume you'd have to have evidence that there was a child in your presence to be charged with kidnapping. But that's just a horrific story. And um, boy, let's just pray that little boy is found and pray she's, you know, found and doesn't do herself harm. And she's clearly got some mental issues going on here, either exaggerating the condition of the child or admitting to what she's done, which would be horrific. And the foster system, wow, that would be a rock that system for sure. You can catch parts of the Bruce Hooley show that you miss, should you miss any. And I won't even be mad. As long as you access the podcast, which is available at 9890answer.com, click on listen, click on shows, and then page down. I'm way down there under all, well, not all, but most of the national hosts. But I'm there. And you can uh, check that out in half-hour show increments, but the commercials are removed. So there you go. A lot of reaction yesterday to my assessment. I suppose I could call it a takedown, a criticism of Tucker Carlson for uh, interviews he did with Russell Brand and with uh, an Egyptian journalist in Dubai. I may revisit that because there was one aspect I wanted to leave, one aspect I left out that I want to address because I think, as I said, Tucker Carlson puts out some dangerous things and never more dangerous than when he misquotes scripture. Uh, Speaking of dangerous, Joe Biden is uh, just so energetic and full of life and zest that his staff cannot keep up with him. That's what we've learned in the last week. Really throughout his presidency, we've been told this, right? He gets more done. He's like the old U.S. Army commercials. He gets more done before 6 a.m. than anybody else. Uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre said he gets more done in an hour, more done in an hour than the rest of us get done all day. So I thought I'd look at Joe Biden's schedule today to find out how many things uh, will be checked off our national to-do list with his dynamic energy. And here is his schedule for the day. They put this out every day. Um, 11.15 (laughs) a.m., the president receives... The presidential daily briefing. 11.15 a.m. When did Trump take the briefing? I think it was like 7 a.m.
1: I don't know. Uh,
0: but is that most in his... most presidents? I mean, it's the daily briefing. You want to know what's going on during the day? What else you got coming up? Who are you going to see? What are the fires you got to put? On. I mean, Mike uh, Johnson yesterday. Uh, not Mike Johnson. Mike Turner. Mike Johnson's the Speaker of the House. Mike Johnson spoke about this, but Mike Turner, Congressman from Dayton, who's head of the House Intelligence Committee, uh, said that there's uh, a destabilizing foreign military capability that the Gang of Eight, that's four Republicans and four Democrats who are on the House uh, Intelligence Committee, that they needed to, like, Meet about this today with Jake Sullivan, one of Obama's henchmen. Jake Sullivan, who uh, is our national security advisor, who's so on top of things that, like what was it, a couple of weeks before Hamas attacked Israel on October the 7th, Jake Sullivan, Mr. On Top of Things in terms of global security interests, said that the Middle East had never been more calm. Never been more calm. Whoops. So anyway, Biden today will take the, uh, took the presidential daily briefing at 11.15 a.m. Then there will be a press briefing by Corinne Jean-Pierre, Corinne Jean identity hire, at 1 p.m. There's nothing else on the president's schedule today. Now, he's not at the daily briefing at the White House at 1 o'clock. So it sure looks to me from his official schedule today. That his only presidential duty is to receive the presidential daily briefing at eleven fifteen A. M. That's so, it.
1: So if you get that information, Bruce Hooley, Columbus, Ohio, radio yeah. station, you yeah. know, blah, 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 blah. The press would get that. Yeah. And they get it nobody every nobody calls Jean Pierre, whatever her name is. Nobody call her out and said
0: oh, oh, they call her out all the time. Here's a few couple feudal people trying. Trying oh, to call her out about at that past that press conferences. Stupid. They states, try right? all the time. Here's a poll. Eighty-six percent of Americans say Biden too old to serve as president. Uh, so fair question. Here's uh, the question in KJP's stiff arm.
1: Thanks, Green. A new ABC News Ipsos poll shows that eighty-six percent of Americans think Biden is too old to serve another term. That is a higher percentage than what we found in a previous poll in September. So clearly polling shows this is a persistent issue. What is the White House strategy to try and change that perception? So look, we're going to continue to lead on leadership, right? We're going to continue to focus on what this president has been able to get done, uh, what the president has been able to get done uh, on behalf of the of the American people. Uh, and look... I'll quote a little bit of uh, what the First Lady said, uh, I think, incredibly well just a couple days ago. Uh, President Biden does more in one hour than most people do in a day. His age with experience and expertise is an incredible asset, and he proves it every day. And that's what we believe. We believe that his age and his experience, because he was a senator, because he was obviously a vice president, because he has these long, um, you know, long decades of relationships uh, with leaders, uh, obviously across the globe – and what he's been able to do, that's what we're going to lean into. That's what we're going to speak to.
0: Okay, so did you know, Did you catch the source on Joe Biden's vitality? The first lady. Yeah. She says the first lady says that he gets done more in an hour than anybody else gets done all day. What's Joe Biden's awareness of what other people get done in a day? Does she have intimate knowledge of what Mike Johnson gets done in a day, of what Mike Turner gets done in a day? They didn't ask me what what J.D. JD, JD Vance gets done in a day of what Alan Rogers gets done in a day. But Jill Biden, well, she's a doctor (laughs) from a community college. She's the source that Joe Biden gets more done in a day in in an hour than other people get done in a day. And then Corinne Jean-Pierre says, that's what we believe. What We believe. So there you go. (laughs) And like George Costanza said famously years ago, it's not a lie if you believe it. Can I ask a question? Of course. We lead
1: on leadership.
0: I was going to get to that. We lead, we're, going to, we're going to continue to lead on leadership.
1: What da, beep, does that Careful. mean?
0: Yes. Well, I think it means the same as Obama when he said he was going to lead from behind. We're going to lead from behind. So the Biden-Obama-Harris-Obama-Biden-Harris-Obama-Obama-Obama-Obama Obama, Obama administration... Has coined several (coughs) curious phrases about leadership, neither of which makes any sense. Now, uh, Joe Biden is scheduled to take a physical examination at some point this week. And a week ago today, we found out that the special counsel said he's a well-meaning, elderly man with a poor memory. So... Uh, The Democrats have pushed back on that, like Biden gets more done in an hour than a week. A good way to prove that would be to have him take a cognitive test. Every other president has taken one he has not. Here's the question to Corinne Jean-Pierre. Listen to see if she answers the question. The
1: idea of taking that kind of a test. I mean, look, and I talked about this last week, too, on, on, I believe, on Friday. Uh, I have known this president since 2009. Irrelevant. Uh, I, he is not just uh, my, my boss, but, you know, he's also some, a mentor to why me. Why will
0: he not take a and cognitive test? I've spent
1: sometimes countless hours with him, whether it's in the Oval Office. Irrelevant. Uh, whether it's on the road. Irrelevant. And I believe, for me, you're asking me my personal No, she's asking you why he you should hurt. take a cognitive uh, test. He's on top of things. He's not. He, when we have uh, meetings with him, with his staff, he's constantly pushing us, getting trying to get more information. And so that has been my experience <laughs> with this president. Uh, Anything else outside of that, uh, I just shared with you what Dr. O'Connor said to me, uh, and so I'll just leave it there.
0: So he's not forgetful, but he's constantly pressing them for more information. Wouldn't that be a characteristic of someone who's forgetful? If he's got all the information and he's constantly pushing them for more information?